Hello, friends, and welcome back to Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast with Pastor Bob Roberts, Jr. Journal Sessions is a brand new format we're doing that's a weekly 10 to 20 minute podcast that features what is on Pastor Bob's mind. A look inside his journal of sorts and what he's thinking about and what he's praying deeply about and then sharing some incredible stories from his journey. So we've had such a blast doing these. Thankful for great feedback on the first four episodes and they got people talking and thinking and sharing. So we're really thankful for that. If you're sitting here wondering, hey, what happened to the interviews that he used to do and interviews with other people? Well, we will continue to post our normal format of interviews with bridge builders, peacemakers, and our goal of helping listeners learn how to better love their neighbor as we go. But on this week's journal session, Pastor Bob talks about the critical role of mentors in his life. Some incredible stories along with how to find a good mentor. Find out more and take a listen. So you have this dream, this vision, this obsession, this thing that has gotten inside of you, and you know that you have to do it. You read books about it. You watch programs about it. You talk to people. You're obsessed with it. It's your calling. It's your destiny. It's it's what you're all about. But I don't care if you've been called to preach or you want to be an athlete or you want to be a writer. It, It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to be, you will not accomplish it without other people. Now, I know that some people would say, yeah, all I need is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says, all I need is the Holy Spirit. But listen, Jesus and the Holy Spirit say, we need one another. We need one another. I used to think I was called to preach. I'm not called to preach. I'm called to Jesus. And if he wants me to do the function of preaching, Fine, I'll preach. And if he wants me to help the homeless, I'll help the homeless. The call is not to a function. It's to a person. And if you're going to do that and you're going to live your life in the person of Jesus Christ, and you're also going to accomplish exactly what God has called you to do and and purposed you to do, then you're going to have to have other people around you. One of my mentors is a man named Leighton Ford. He just turned 90. I I wrote him a poem 30 years ago. It was printed in Christianity Today. I tried to find it. Here's part of it. I found online somewhere. Here's what it says. This was when Leighton was feeling old and he was in his mid-60s. I'm now 64. Here it is. I need an old man. I want to know that some pastor out there made it. I don't mean that he has to become a religious success story but that he just completed the race. I want to know that he didn't have to lose his sanity or morality to do it. I want to know that ministry really is what we say it is. I want to hope that I really will be more than what I do and stay true to who I am. I I need an old man. I need a pastor who will show me his scars so that I'll know I can survive being cut open. I need an old man who has asked the same questions I've asked doesn't think I'm a heretic because I asked them. I'm not sure I need a model, just a person who's willing to talk honestly. Did you know research has been done and truly successful people, one thing they all have in common is there's this draw that they feel towards older people. And many of those older people become their mentors and their sages that speak into their life. Books and teachers are extremely important. 
Books and teachers give us knowledge and information and, and tell us how to do things and how things function and work. So we always need to be learning. And, and I always have heard this saying, uh, learners are readers and people who grow read all the time. And all that's true. And you should. But let me say this. Mentors and sages give you something that books and teachers do not. They give you wisdom, discernment, character. They deal with questions of meaning. And knowledge and information without values and wisdom and discernment and character can get you in all kind of trouble, even if you go into the ministry. Just look at it. I remember one time I was with a very prominent pastor, and we were talking about church growth, and he's utterly brilliant, and I love this man. And I remember looking at him, and I said, the thing that scares me about this is it's like you can grow a church without Jesus. And he said, Bob, that's the real problem. You can. The question is, what are we growing, and do we want it to be his church? Wisdom and discernment and character are everything. One of the reasons the church is in the mess that it's in today is we want to grow our churches, but we don't want to always look to wisdom and discernment. And so a lot of times a pastor may not give the hard truths that his members need to hear or challenge prophetically the culture where it's at, whether it's on things like racism or, or how we treat refugees or, or, or pick your sauce. But we have to hear those things. I remember my first mentor was a guy that Leighton Ford connected me with. His name was Kent Humphreys. Kent was a white dude from Oklahoma City that sold Afro Sheen to military bases to African-American soldiers. I was really upset. I mean, all, you know, Leighton had all these other pastors. They were given incredible mentors. I mean, Ted Ingstrom. Well, that name may not mean as much to you, but I mean, just all these big dog names. And he gives me a business guy, a white dude who's a salesman. He was the best mentor I ever could have had. What I thought was the worst mentor wound up being the best kind. Do you know why? Because Kent understood life. And so I could call Kent and talk to him a lot. He's slow down, Bob, slow down, slow down. He's always challenging me, focus, Bob. And you know what else Kent did? Kent was a businessman. He was always taking risk and made a fortune. Kent understood the risk that I felt as a pastor. And he would challenge me. Okay, Bob, go for it. But here's some things you need to think about. Here's how you can mitigate this risk. Here's how you can do this. I never understood that businessmen actually did all they could to mitigate risk. They just didn't jump out there. There was some thought behind it. Then I remember when Bob Buford came in my life. He just started Leadership Network. Our church didn't run a thousand, but I was from East Texas where Bob Buford was. And I guess Bob felt sorry for me because... Uh, I would preach on the cable station in Tyler, Texas, where my dad was a pastor. And so when he heard I'd moved to uh, Dallas-Fort Worth and started a church, he wanted me in the groups. And so Bob helped me to start thinking about process. But did you know, as Bob poured into my life more and more, I discovered Bob Buford was not a businessman. Bob, I mean, he was a renaissance man. He was a guy who was obsessed with knowledge and learning. He would hire professors for two or three weeks to come and teach them everything that they knew in a given field. I love Bob Buford. Roy Fish, Mr. Evangelism, who taught at Southwestern for so many years, 
Do you know what stands out in my mind with Roy Fish? I would talk to Roy about how I was working with Muslims and Jews and communists in Vietnam. And for all the flack I get from other Christians, not Roy Fish, Roy Fish's response was, go, Bob, go. I remember we had a bunch of communist uh, diplomats that were at our church one Sunday, and I was telling him, he said, Bob, I would like to come. And so he came, and I have pictures of him to this day visiting with all of these communist diplomats, and he would talk, Bob, you got to keep doing it. Don't stop. He taught me humility. He taught me modeling. Roy Fish loved people. And then Dallas Willard, when I read his book, I mean, Divine Conspiracy, it redefined my faith for me. I mean, what does it mean not to live by the gospel of salvation, but the gospel of the kingdom? And and it changed everything. Salvation stopped being the ultimate point to just the beginning point as we start on this journey with God. And he began to teach me so much about the kingdom of God. And I'd go out and I would meet with him and and I I would explain how the kingdom was everything and all things. And he loved it and he agreed with it and he would push me. And I explained how we were mobilizing our members based on their jobs to work in Vietnam. And his response was, go, Bob, go. Now think about this. Leonard Sweet. Wow. Leonard taught me how to read and how to think. I remember he would read these books all the time. And so so I wanted to read like Lynn Sweet. So I asked him one time, okay, let's go to Barnes and Nobles. And so we go into Barnes and Nobles and I had him walk, walk me to every single section, business, literature, art. I mean, I mean, everything. And I got about 12 books. Lynn Sweet taught me how to read and taught me how to think. And he was always patient with me. He's brilliant. I'm not. But he would love me to this day. Lauren Cunningham impacted me and to this day helps me understand the world. Bob Bill helps me understand management and how to process and, and, and how to build an organization. And women, oh, yeah. Carol Childress, the first woman to pour into my life. She was a seminary student with me, but a few years older than me. And she would get me books and encourage me to read them, whether it was a biography on D.L. Moody or some modern leader. And she would challenge me to think about culture and what it was like. And Carol Davis, who taught me to think about the world in ways I'd never thought about. And Joanne Lyons, who helped me in diplomacy about how to work with world leaders. And my mom, you want to know about somebody who emulated the life of Jesus? Oh, my gosh. My mom is the greatest living Christian I know. John Jenkins taught me how to pastor a church. I'm in his pastor's covering group, and I love it. I learned so much from him. He's helped our church go through so many transitions. When oh, You just go down the list. When we desegregated, when we began to think in terms of how we led the church and how we led in an apostolic ministry. I mean, a lot of people have written books, but for me, John Jenkins would sit down with me and talk to me. And last year, I ran him crazy for a whole day. I said, here's everything I'm doing, John. What do you see? What do I need to be doing? And he spoke into that. So how do you get good mentors? Are you ready for this? Here's my secret. First of all, let me just say a couple of things. I hope you've heard something as you've listened to me talk. I've got many mentors. I've got many spiritual fathers. No, don't don't buy into this thing that you need just one mentor. No, one mentor can only give you what they've got and nobody has it all. You need multiple mentors for different things throughout your life. You know who my number one mentor is today? Jim Hilton. 
Jim Hilton's almost 90. What does Jim pour into me? What it means to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and to hear God's voice and to follow him all throughout. I need that. But I need the management side of Bob Bill and the pastoral side of John Jenkins. And I need all these other people that are speaking into me. So you need many mentors for specific things. Now, how do you get mentors like that? Number one, don't ask them. If you ask, will you be my mentor, a good mentor? You know what they're going to say? No. Why? Because number one, they don't have time. Number two, they don't want to feel guilty. Number three, if, if, if they give you advice and you take it, it doesn't work out. Number three, they don't know you that well. And it makes them nervous. So never ask somebody you want to mentor them to be your mentor. Just find out ways to spend time with them. That's number one. Uh, Dallas Willard. For many years, I'd go see him once a year. And I remember after I'd read Divine Conspiracy and then hearing God it impacted my life so much. I wanted to spend time with him. And so I just thought, I'm going to call him one day. And so I, I did. I got his number and I called the uh, where we taught at USC. And, and sure enough, he answers the phone in his office. He said, Dallas Willard. I mean, just hearing him say, Dallas Willard. I felt like the Lord was on the end of the line. And, he, and, and I said, I'm Bob Roberts and we've not met, but I've read your books and I'm a pastor and You've redefined my faith, and I would love to come and just visit with you. And he said, well, Bob, when you come out here next time for something, don't come just to see me. Let me know, and we'll get together. Well, two months later, I called him up. I said, I'm coming to L.A., and I wanted to see if you had any time available. And he said, oh, Bob, if it was only the week earlier, I could have done it but not that particular week, to which I responded, okay, let me see if I can change my other appointment and work it out. My other appointment was really just going to the airport. I knew no one in LA. I was going strictly to see Dallas Willard. Here's a second thing. Don't waste their time. Your mentor isn't looking for another buddy. He's not looking for another friend. Don't waste their time. So, so how do you do that? In advance, you ought to have five questions you're going to ask them. Every time I met with one of my mentors, I had five questions. Bob Buford, I never said, Bob, would you mentor me? But every three to four months, I'd say, hey, let's go have lunch, Bob. And when I met with him, I had four or five things I was going to ask him. Maybe I only got through the first one, but I was going to ask him. So he knew that when he got through talking to me, it was going to be of benefit. Third thing, thank them. Give them gifts. I'm not going to tell you who, but there's a there's a, one of my mentors, prominent person. And I'm a nobody on the scale of all these mega church guys and so forth and so on. And I remember asking him one day, I said, I'm grateful that you do it, but but why do you why do you give me your time and allow me to do this? And he literally put his arm around and he said, Roberts, you're one of the few people that ever says thank you. Let me tell you something. You have no idea how far that little word, thank you, goes. Thank them. They just gave you their most valuable thing, time, and they're not going to get anything in return. You're, 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 trying, to, you're trying to milk them for something that they've got that's going to help you, that's going to grow your mind or, or your ministry or your work, whatever it is. Thank them. Give them gifts. Try to find out what they like that's unique. 
I remember one time uh, Bob Buford would always pray for me and I was in Afghanistan. So I brought back all these shell casings and that I found from where they were fighting wars and I gave them to him. And he said, Roberts, what am I going to do with these? I said, I don't know. Just pray for the people that are in Afghanistan, I guess. And he saved those. But he would always say, Roberts, what are you doing giving me those things? Fourth, keep them posted. When good things happen or you take their advice and something really good comes along, tell them. Tell them. Thank them. Thank them publicly. Thank them privately. But let them know that what you gave me made a difference. And then the other thing I would say is remember them on their special days, wedding anniversaries, birthdays, whatever it is, celebrations, remember them. We're always going to need mentoring. I've always taken 360s and personality profiles. Do you think I like that? No. I remember I took a 360 in 2010. It was painful, but it was critical. And guess what? I took that same 360 10 years later. And you know what? I'm going to take that same 360 in another, I guess it's been three years, in another seven years. Do you know why? I want to grow. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. I need people speaking into my life. So do you. Thank you so much for joining us for journal sessions with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. on the Bold Love Podcast. If you were impacted by this conversation, we would like to ask a favor. First, if you found this episode impactful, please share it on social media and recommend it to a friend. Second, like most podcasts, we are able to make these impactful conversations happen with support from partnering organizations and individuals like you. If you felt led to support these type of conversations, you can do so now and give at support.boldlovepodcast.com. Whether it's a seasonal gift or a monthly donation, we are so thankful for you. For more information on this podcast, show notes, and any other references, you can go to boldlovepodcast.com to get all the information there. We appreciate you joining us. And remember on the Bold Love Podcast, we encourage you to live out your faith boldly, learn how to better love your neighbor, and learn how to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. See you next time.